Hello and welcome to episode 66 of Employment Law Matters. I'm Barrister Daniel Barnett and today I'm talking about dismissal for social media activity. Now, the first part of this episode is an interview with Professor Virginia mantu Valley. I'll tell you about that in a second. Uh, social media, we all know, is a minefield for employers. There's potential liability for discriminatory comments, for harassment, for intellectual property breaches. All employers should have a good social media policy and make sure employees understand what's in it. And a good source for one is www.policies2020.com. It's in the show notes. But as soon as you get into the world of dismissal for social media activities, and if someone has over two years employment, we enter the world of competing rights, mainly the right of free speech. In just a moment, I'm going to speak to Professor Virginia Mantivalu. Uh, Professor Mantivalu is the Professor of Human Rights and Labour Law at UCL Faculty of Law. She's published extensively on human rights and labour law. Her most recent co-edited book, is on the philosophical foundations of labour law, and she's talking to me about dismissal for social media activity. Unfortunately, the recording is of fairly dodgy quality. We did try, but it just didn't work very well. So what I've done is I've taken an extract from our chat, only about five minutes, and after that, because I wasn't able to get good enough audio quality for the whole thing, after that, I'm going to speak myself for about 10 minutes or thereabouts with my views and my thoughts on social media dismissals. Here is Professor Virginia Mantuvalu from the UCL Faculty of Laws. Welcome to Employment Law Matters with Barrister Daniel Barnett. Professor Mantuvalu, hello. Hi, thank you for inviting me. Now, we know that a lot of people lose their jobs because of what they post on social media. Can you give me a recent example of when that sort of thing has happened? Yes, you're right. I was shocked when I realized how many people lose their jobs because of what they post on social media. I had seen things in the news over the years, but I started doing proper research looking at the employment tribunal's decisions. And there are really a lot of people who lose their jobs because of what they post on social media. One case that I saw in the news was about Rachel Burns, who posted a photo of a sing-along at work on her Facebook page, and this ended up in her dismissal. So she worked um, for a residential care home for elderly people and vulnerable adults, and she was regularly organizing events where people, uh, once a week, I think, events whereby people were singing. It was a music night. And, uh, and she was also singing with, uh, with everyone, the staff and uh, the residents. And at some point, uh, a photo was taken. And in that photo, one of the residents jumped in the photo and was visible, who had Down syndrome. And uh, then she posted the photo on social media, she, on her Facebook page. And after that, even though she had been working for, she was employed there for many years, um, uh, she was just uh, dismissed uh, and uh, she was shocked and said uh, on the BBC News, I know I shouldn't have put that picture up there, but should I really have had my career of 21 years taken away for one mistake? So she lost her job for posting this photo of the sing-along and making this mistake because one resident was uh, visible for posting it on social media. She believes, she believed that her dismissal was unfair. But uh, it is just very easy to make a small mistake like that 
and this can cost your job. Can you just remind us what the factors that a tribunal will take into account are when deciding whether a dismissal for social media activity is fair or unfair? The tribunals and the courts have a lot of trouble in this area, partly because it has to do with the technology. So, and they're not always familiar with what are uh, social media. With social media, one of the key factors they look into, they take into account, they look into, is whether it is public or private the conduct of the employee. So, if uh, they often say where your settings, uh, your Facebook settings, were they private? Could others see the comment that you made? And on that point, generally speaking, they are very reluctant to say that something that you post on social media is private. Uh, Because it is on the internet, online, where a lot of people can access it, they usually uh, say that this is a public space. Obviously, a key concern and an issue that the courts really and tribunals really look into is the issue of the the reputation, the damage on the reputation of the employer. So what they want to understand is whether the comment that an employee has posted on social media may damage the reputation of the employer. Does the employer have to show that there was actual damage or is a real risk of damage sufficient to establish reasonableness? I think the risk of damage is sufficient. Uh, so uh, they don't. The employer does not do not necessarily does not necessarily have to show that th- there has been reputational damage. Another issue that the courts look at is whether what has been the whether there is a social media policy of the employer in the employment contract or in other guidelines. Uh, so if there is a clear social media if there is a clear social media policy, the tribunal is likely to be satisfied that the dismissal was fair if the employee did not follow the clear social media policy. But even on that, and that is a very important point, there are uh, limitations. Uh, I'm going to talk about a, a very important case of the European Court of Human Rights, Barbulescu versus Romania. That's a case that was decided by the Grand Chamber of the Court in 2017. Mr. Barbulescu was dismissed from his job because he used his work social media account, one of the social media accounts of his workplace that he was supposed to only use with customers. He also used it for private communications with his brother and his wife about private health issues and sex-related issues. And he was dismissed for that reason because there was a clear employer's policy that employees should not be using the work social media account for private communications. So... The European Court of Human Rights was not satisfied that the dismissal was compatible with the right to private life. The European Court of Human Rights, even though there were clear instructions, the court said that an employer's instructions cannot reduce private social life in the workplace to zero. So employers should not think that if they include clear terms in the employment contract, they can say that it will be sufficient for a dismissal to be lawful. Because, as the Grand Chamber said in Barbulescu, an employer's instructions cannot reduce private social life at work to zero. Join Daniel Barnett for the LBC Legal Hour, Saturday nights at 9pm. And that was Professor Virginia Mantuvalu. Thank you so much to her for taking the time to speak to me. Unfortunately, as I said at the outset, due to the slightly dodgy audio quality, I decided to only use an extract from that interview and not the whole thing. So instead, I'm going to thrill you with my 
observations on social media. Now, social media has got us hooked in many ways. That's a great thing. There are all sorts of personal and commercial benefits to be gained from being active online. But as an employer, you will feel anxious when it comes to these mediums of communication, just as parents frustrated at the sight of their offspring wasting time on social media instead of studying for exams, you'll want to make sure your employees' efforts are being properly channeled. And you've got to understand what the rules are about monitoring. You need the employee's consent to monitoring if you're doing it. Most of us check out other people's publicly available social media accounts. It's a medium that lends itself well to browsing, but you need to be careful if you're an employer about the way you treat someone as a result of things you discover about them online. Discrimination is a particular hotspot for all the frivolity. Social media is a serious business, and we've all seen the consequences of public figures sailing close to the wind in the views they express. Many are taken to task for it. Just a couple of years ago, one of my ex-colleagues at LBC Radio left the station because of her tweet calling for a final solution for Muslim terrorists. That's Katie Hopkins, in case you hadn't guessed. Now, if you haven't had the social media chat with employees, do it. I mentioned a policy. You can download one from www.policies2020.com. Give guidance to your employees. Be very clear on what is and isn't acceptable. You can use social media, and it's common to use social media for work purposes. Twitter, Facebook, to a lesser extent, LinkedIn are valuable business tools. I think people only use LinkedIn unless they're salespeople to hunt for new jobs for themselves. But every business should be out there promoting their brand. And although some organizations have staff dedicated to running their social media business accounts, employees, particularly those in senior roles or with particular specialisms, are encouraged to make connections and post news and views on their own often personal account. Now, most employees, of course, can be trusted. If they know what they're doing, if they understand the boundaries and they understand your aims and objectives, then you put your faith in them and 99% of the time, you'll be fine. If you've left them to their own devices in the belief that by now people just know what social media is about, then don't be surprised if a mistake happens. Many people ask their staff to put lines in their social media biogs like, these are my personal views and not those of my employer. I think that's a little bit anal. Um, those sorts of things only go so far to protect your business from damage caused by ill-judged postings. Well, actually, it's untested in the courts, and I personally think it's completely useless. Twitter poses the biggest risk here, of course, because personal and professional accounts are usually one and the same, and because tweets have immediate impact. Social media-related disciplinaries are becoming increasingly common, and you don't have to search very hard to find examples of employees who've been fairly and unfairly dismissed for the things they've put out there. If productivity is suffering because of an employee's use of social media, you need to do something about it. Whether or not it's a disciplinary affair will depend on the seriousness of what's happened, the rules you've set, and the clarity with which you've communicated them. So I'm now going to give you a number of examples of cases when dismissals have been held to be fair and unfair as a result of people's posts using social media. Incidentally, there's a lot more information about this in the Members' Vault of the HR Inner Circle, www 
hrinnercircle.co.uk, which is the membership club I run for smart, ambitious, standalone HR professionals. Do have a look at that, www.hrinnercircle.co.uk. But it always comes down to context and circumstances. And here are some examples. First of all, Taylor and Summerfield Stores. This involved a manager who posted a YouTube video showing an employee being hit over the head with some plastic bags. He was dismissed. It was held to be an unfair dismissal. It was too harsh a sanction. The manager had apologised and removed the video off YouTube, which incidentally had only had eight views. There was no evidence of the employer's reputation having been damaged, despite the fact that Summerfield stores argued that the plastic carrier bags had their brand and logo all over them, so anyone viewing might have thought Summerfield stores encouraged their employees to do that sort of thing. Dismissal was excessive. It was unfair. In Crisp Against Apple Retail, a employee who made derogatory comments about Apple and its products on Facebook was held not to be able to rely on an expectation of privacy, even though his Facebook page could only be viewed by friends. The point was he couldn't control how the things he'd written would be treated. It could be copied and passed on. And that tells us that private is never really private. Now, the decision that the dismissal was fair might surprise some people, but Apple had very clear policies and had trained staff on the value it placed on its brand image. The company made it clear that making derogatory comments on social media was likely to amount to gross misconduct. The employee had received training, and so it was a fair dismissal. Another fair dismissal was Tegat against Teletech UK. An employee who posted inappropriate comments on his Facebook page about a female colleague, including about her alleged promiscuity, was fairly dismissed. It was harassment. And that was enough to entitle the employer to dismiss, even though the employer's reputation hadn't been brought into serious disrepute. The employee's human rights argument in that case didn't go down very well at all. Another fair dismissal, weeks and everything everywhere. That was a fair dismissal of an employee who described his place of work as Dante's Inferno on Facebook. He'd been warned about that, and he then posted intimidating comments about another member of staff. So those intimidating comments, along with the fact that a connection had been made between Dante's Inferno and the employer meant that dismissal for gross misconduct was held to be within the range of reasonable responses. Contrast that with Trasler and B&Q. It was held in that case to be unfair to dismiss a B&Q employee who'd posted on Facebook that, quote, his place of work is beyond a effing joke. The word was used in full. That hadn't undermined his relationship with his employer, though, to the extent that dismissal was necessary. And, concluded the tribunal, it wasn't reasonable for being Q to conclude that the postings threatened its business. Hence, an unfair dismissal. Now, damage to the trust and confidence between the employer and the employee or reputational harm are typically at the root of these cases. So proof of actual damage to reputation is desirable, although establishing the risk can be enough. In Witherman Club 24, for example, there was no such evidence, no evidence of actual harm. The employee's dismissal for making comments which 
weren't found to have been particularly serious, but which the employer said, but the tribunal didn't accept, damaged its reputation with a key client, was therefore unfair. Another classic scenario in the social media context, of course, is where you discover that an employee who's called in sick with a stomach bug has visited, for example, a theme park. Now, some employees are stupid enough to post Facebook photos of themselves beside a roller coaster, ice cream in hand, when claiming to be sick. Use that information. You can use it to build a full picture during the disciplinary investigation. The employee might have a really good explanation, of course, but then they'd need one, wouldn't they? The biggest and best message you can give your employees is to treat everything they post at work and at home as potentially being seen by anyone, anywhere. That should hopefully be enough to encourage most sensible employees to take a measured approach. Leave a review and win a book. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Employment Law Matters. If you want to subscribe, please do so by going to www.danielbarnett.co.uk slash podcast. If you enjoyed it, please do leave a review on the Apple Podcast Store or any other podcast review site. Thank you so much for listening. My name's Daniel Barnett. I'm a barrister at Outer Temple Chambers. You can learn more about me at www.danielbarnett.co.uk or listen to my LBC show on Saturday nights at 9pm where you can phone in for answers to all your legal questions. Bye-bye. Any information on this podcast is for general guidance only. Always seek legal advice. Please see full terms at www.danielbarnett.co.uk forward slash podcast terms.